0: Check us out at heartweightchurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. What's up everybody? Good morning. Happy Sunday. So I want to start today a little different than normally. I want to read to you a pretty extended passage of Scripture, and you'll see the slides up. But also, I invite you, if you feel comfortable, maybe just to close your eyes and um, soak in what's being said as I speak these words over you. This is called the parable of the sower, jam-packed with a lot. Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. It says, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, so it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understand it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So I want to talk to you today about spiritual receptivity. In my theology, God is always speaking. It's just that we're not always listening. We're not always receptive to it. But the way that I live my life, every circumstance that I go through, every life event that occurs is embedded with divine messages for me. I just have to have the ears to hear, the eyes to see. There's one uh, Franciscan priest by the name of Richard Rohr that I speak of often, and he says, God always comes to you disguised in the form of your life. So if you want to hear what God's saying, you don't got to go too far. You don't have to look anywhere else other than whatever it is you're going through and experiencing right now. The message that you need, the truth you need to hear that will set you free is always right in front of you. Oftentimes, we're just blinded to it. So in the parable that we just read, Jesus makes this cryptic statement where he says, Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. For me, this is a very good description and definition of the law of spiritual receptivity. Which very simply says that the more open and receptive you are to truth, the more you'll receive it. The more open and receptive you are to God, the more you will experience God. The other side of that, though, is that if you're not open and receptive to the truth, which usually happens when we think we already possess it, and we already have it, and we already know it, When that happens, even the little bit that you think you know will actually prove to be ineffective for you. Now, if I were to ask most of us in this room, are you an open individual? Are you receptive? You'd be like, yeah, I'm open. I'm receptive. But the truth is we're probably only open to what we already know. Most of us are only receptive to those things that fit within our categories of right, wrong, true, false. And if we're... Confronted with information that does not fit our paradigms, we feel threatened, we get defensive, we shut it out, we don't want to hear it, we're not open. We become arrogant in our sense of rightness. And let me tell you something the more intelligent you are, like literally the higher your IQ, the more susceptible you are to be spiritually blinded because of pride, because of arrogance. And I know, of course. We celebrate intelligence as we should because it's a beautiful thing. But you can become intoxicated by your intelligence to the point where you think you already know. And there will be people in your life who won't feel comfortable telling you the truth because they know that if they try and plant that seed in you, you'll just reject it. And then you just continue to live your life thinking that you've got everything going And in reality, you really don't see some things that everybody else sees as very obvious. So if we're gonna be spiritually receptive people, that's gonna take a willingness to be able to let go of our attachments to all of the viewpoints and beliefs and opinions that we hold on to so tightly. You see, truth is multidimensional. Truth has many different sides. But when you make up your mind, you think that the one dimension and the one side you see is the whole picture. But it never is. Truth is so much bigger than what you can conceive with a perspective. That's what a viewpoint is. It's a view from a specific point. That's not the whole thing. You understand that? So to be receptive, to actually be receptive means you've got to be willing to at least consider that what another person says, even if it's different than what you believe, may possibly be true. If you're not willing to do that, you're not really open and you're not really receptive. Now, let's say you're willing to consider that what that other person's saying might possibly be true but it actually isn't just by virtue of the fact that you're willing to be open and consider that it might possibly be true and put yourself in their shoes and look at things from their vantage point. Even if it's not true, you've just widened your horizon. You've become more well-rounded. You've expanded yourself in a way that previously uh, you, you weren't able to because of this receptivity. So When you're receptive, that means everybody becomes your teacher. Some of us have a hard time receiving truth simply because we don't like the vehicle through which it's coming. Maybe it's mom. (laughs) Maybe it's dad. Maybe it's wife. Maybe it's husband. Maybe it's best friend. Those people closest to you, they probably see you clearer than you see yourself, but you don't want to hear it from them. And so we're shut off to that truth simply because of where it's coming from. Or maybe we have a problem with the way in which that truth is being communicated. But spiritual receptivity means I'm open to truth wherever it comes from. In whatever form it arrives, I'm open to it. I will take the kernel of truth. I will take the good from what's being said. I'll discard the rest. Right? What do they say? Uh, Chew the meat, spit out the bones? I don't know. I don't eat meat, but... That's how it works. You chew the meat. You spit out the bones. What I've learned in my life is the truth you really need to hear is the truth you probably don't want to hear. But that's, the, that's what you actually need to hear the most. So pay attention to where there is defensiveness in you. Anytime there's defensiveness in you, That's a sign that there's a false identity you're holding on to. Pay attention to the things that trigger you. All of your triggers are pointing to areas in your life where you have yet to be set free. Now, in the parable that we just read, Jesus takes us through different levels of receptivity. And I want to walk through those with you. And I want you to reflect and think about where you are on this spectrum, You know, typically we tend to fluctuate from one stage to another. But just think about and reflect where you are now in this moment of your life. So the first level, of course, that Jesus mentioned is non-receptivity. So this is what he described as the seed that is sown along the path that immediately gets snatched. So to be non-receptive means you're shut off from your emotions, You're disconnected from your heart, and you're not ready to hear truth. Even when it comes to you, you don't want nothing to do with it, because before the truth sets you free, it makes you miserable, because it shatters your illusions in so many ways. And Jesus said, the truth will set you free, but the truth usually involves putting a mirror in front of your face. Some of us, we rather just stay angry. We rather just be pissed off. We rather just blame the world and blame other people. To grow spiritually means I'm taking full responsibility for my life and the way that I experience it. I cannot control my circumstances, but I can do something about the way that I'm perceiving and interpreting and approaching my life. And so let me do something about what I can do something about. Doing that, of course can be hard, and sometimes our perception of life becomes so tainted by our trauma and the difficulties that we go through that we become so calloused and hardened on the inside, and we're just not ready to face our stuff. Another reason why people are not receptive is because their way of doing things hasn't stopped working for them yet. And typically, we continue to do the things that we're able to get away with. Even if we know it's not what's best and it's not what's healthy and it's not what's right, and it's not what's good. And it's not leading us down a fruitful path. If we can get away with it, come on, we're human. If we can get away with it, we're going to do it. That's why people say hitting rock bottom sometimes is necessary. Because life forces us to see the truth. It forces us to wake up. So spiritually speaking, and you'll, if you pay attention to people's stories when they talk about their spiritual growth and transformation, sometimes the worst things that happened to us end up being the best things that happened to us, precisely because it woke us up from our slumber. Life forced us to change directions. So obviously, if you're here, if you're listening to what I'm saying this morning, you're probably not in that category of totally unreceptive. However, maybe you deal with people in your life that are. Maybe you've been trying to plant seeds of love and positivity and goodness in the lives of other people, and they're just not hearing it. They're not open to what you have to say. And I'm reminded of this beautiful statement in the New Testament that says, some people plant seeds, other people water them, but God makes the seeds grow. And it's important to recognize that. You can't change other people. And spirituality isn't about changing other people. It's about changing you. But some of us, we weaponize what we learn in places like this and what we read in books to try and get other people to change. We try and fix other people under the guise of helping them. No, 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 Focus on yourself. You can't force other people to see. And if you're really that concerned about the truth, just be about it. Just live it. You don't got to talk someone else's head off about what they should or should not be doing. Like they say, stop shooting on people. You know what I mean? (laughs) Don't don't tell other people what they should or should not be doing. You do what you know you got to do. And you become an example for others with your life. Let your life do the talking. Let your life do the speaking for you. You know, religion starts you off with some very strong, rigid categories of what is right, wrong, true, false, good, bad. And then what happens is we try and universalize these metrics and apply them to everybody. Well, as you mature spiritually, it's not that you lose a sense of what's right, wrong, good, bad, true, false, but you begin to speak about all of those things in a more subjective way. Meaning, this is what's right for me. This is what's wrong for me. This is what's true for me. This is what's false for me. But I'm not going to make my ethics your ethics. I'm not going to make my beliefs your beliefs. I know what's right for me. I know what's true and good for me but I'm not gonna judge you or treat you differently if in your world, that looks another way. That's called maturity. That's called growth. It's not your job to fix anybody. There's a quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi where he says, share the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. You know, so if you've got, if you can see the truth, And you really feel like you can help somebody if they would just listen to you. Share the truth. And when you really need to, use words. But if you really want to help somebody, don't just talk about it. Be about it. Okay? Next. Second group in this parable that Jesus refers to are those that I call receptive but not rooted. Okay, so these are the folks who have a hunger and a desire for spiritual knowledge, but they have yet to integrate this knowledge into their everyday life. So if you want to see whether you're rooted or not, look at how you react when difficult things happen to you. How do you react when life gets hard? Trials, tribulations, difficulties, challenges will reveal to you your character. They will show you all of that stuff that you have yet to deal with. When times get tough, it's very easy for us to revert back to our old patterns, our old ways of being. We react in familiar ways. Okay, so when that happens, don't beat yourself up. Don't shame yourself. You don't gotta feel guilty about the fact that you went back to doing things the way you've always done them. That's just all that you know. The key is to just keep coming back home. Keep returning back to your true nature. I remember when I was maybe like 18, 19 years old, and my life radically changed. I really recommitted myself to the spiritual path. And I was connected to a church where I had grown up my whole life, right down the road, actually. And I got baptized with my mom. It was very nice. And I remember uh, internally the dialogue that I was having when I was getting baptized. This is horrific theology, but it was all I knew. I, I dealt with so much guilt and shame throughout most of my life because of religion. And I never felt like I got it right. Never felt like I could get it right. You know? So... Here I was getting baptized, and I remember in my own mind, in my own heart, I don't even think I've ever verbalized this. I remember saying to God, you know what, God, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to commit my life to you. But I don't know if I'm going to get this right. I don't know if my life is actually going to change. I don't know if my patterns are going to change because I'm pretty stuck in my ways. But all I know is that no matter what, no matter how many times I fall, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to come to you. And even if at the end of this thing you're going to send me to hell, it's going to happen. Not be, it's not going to happen because of me not returning back to you. That'll just be your decision if that's what you want to do. And then I got baptized. <laughs> you know, super toxic men- mentality and traumatizing in a lot of ways. But that was genuinely my prayer. I was like, God, you know what? No matter what, I'm just going to keep coming back to you. And if at the end of this thing you're going to send me to hell, then you'll send me to hell. But it's not going to be because I didn't come back home. And I continue to live my life, and I continue to be human, and I continue to mess up, and I continue to do the things that I do. But I always come back home. And over time, what happens for me, it's taken Years, okay? But over time, if you keep coming back home, you keep coming back to your true nature, eventually you'll begin to settle there. You'll begin to stabilize in your true nature. And there will be moments when you still move out of alignment with who you truly are, but those will become the exception instead of the norm. Right now, it may be the norm for you, if you're receptive but not rooted, to... to, Move out of alignment with who you know yourself to truly be on the inside. You pop off. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, I love Jesus, but I'll punch you in your face if you try me. <clears throat> it was so amazing. My, my, uh, I, ho- I hope it's okay for, for me to share this. Um, my pops the other day was telling me um, that he got in a car accident. And it uh, could have been bad. Thankfully, it wasn't. Cars totally messed up. It was his fault, Um, and when he got in this accident, the dude gets out of the, the other car, and he comes storming towards my pops, really mad and angry. And my dad's like, I don't know what happened. I like blacked out for a second, and then I came back to myself, and I saw this guy coming toward me, and he said, my initial impulse, my first reaction was to let this man know you are not going to be stepping to me in that way because that's what my pops knows. That has been his way for a lot of time. You know how it is in this world. Sometimes you feel like I got to stand up for myself. I got to, you know, I got to be strong. Otherwise, people are just going to take advantage and walk all over me. And he says, in, in a matter of a split second, I, I, I wasn't doing this intentionally. Just in, in a split second, the thought came to my head. Let me try this the heart way. I know. I know. I know. And he got out of that car. He got out of that car. And the first thing he says to the dude is, are you okay? And the guy's like, yeah. Is your son okay? Yes. And he says, okay, good, because that's what matters. All this other stuff doesn't matter. We can fix all of this. But as long as you're okay and he's okay and I'm okay, we're okay. Immediately, this guy went from here To hear. And before the end of that encounter, after my dad received a ticket, (laughs) the dude who initially wanted to give him a piece of his mind ended up inviting him to lunch. Isn't that crazy? That's what happens when you do it the hard way, everybody. But you see, you just you keep coming back home to yourself and then it'll just happen in those moments yeah you'll be triggered yeah you're going to want to act out yeah you're going to want to get into attack mode and defense mode but if just for one brief moment the spirit can speak life into your heart and you're open and re- you got to be open and receptive Amen. if you're open and receptive to it it could save your life cuz there's people who die over stupidity like that you know so It's one thing to hear the truth. But do you trust it enough to live by it? Okay, some of us don't trust love yet. Some of us don't trust forgiveness yet. We don't trust generosity yet. So it seems very unrealistic for us to respond to life in that way, to respond to other people's uh, anger and hatred and violence in that way. But the more you practice it, the more you will learn to trust it. And the more you're able to trust love and give yourself to the ways of love, you'll begin to see how new paths, new possibilities can, can open up for you in life. The way to become rooted is to take knowledge from your head to your heart. The scriptures say, don't just be hearers of the word, but become doers of the word. So for a lot of us, our spirituality is more intellectual than it is experiential. And some of us, we've got all the knowledge. We've read all the books. We we have very elaborate arguments that we can make about all of these abstract philosophies and doctrines and theologies. We get really passionate about the things that we believe in. And we even argue with other people about it. And we lose friendships with other people about the things that we're so passionate about. You can have all the knowledge in the world. But my question for you is, does it work? How does it benefit your actual day-to-day life? Does it make you more loving? Does it make you more kind? Does it make you more open? Because if you have all of this knowledge in your brain, but you don't have peace, what good is it? You can have all this knowledge in your head, but if you don't have love, if you don't have joy, if you don't have fulfillment and satisfaction, what good is that for you? So it's important to get rooted in these truths, to make them a part of your very being. Okay? Next stage is the third group, which uh, Jesus described as the seed that fell among thorns. Okay? These are the folks that are receptive but they're lukewarm. In other words, it's one foot in, one foot out. Or another way to describe these kind of folks is half-hearted. And Jesus said for this group, this is a very interesting phrase. I know a lot of us don't want to hear this. (laughs) But for this group, it is the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth that chokes the word and makes it unfruitful. Okay. Money's not bad. Money's good. Money's great. Please donate to Heartway Church. Okay. This is a great time for me to plug that in. All right. We're looking for recurring givers, by the way. Sign up. So to do this monthly, I'm actually being serious. Okay. Money's good. We need money. Money is energy exchange. Okay. Okay. So get comfortable with money. Money's good. But it's the love of money that the scriptures say is the root of all evil. That's strong language. The love of money. Jesus says the deceitfulness of wealth. Why is it so deceptive? I'll let you chew on that and decide on that for yourself. But look at what it says in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love this world nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, they're from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. So what this scripture describes as love of the world is really just obsession with self-image. Obsession with self-image. That's why we pursue power. That's why we pursue pleasure. That's why uh, we pursue possessions. Ultimately, because we care about how we're seen and perceived by other people. That is where the world puts worth and sees worth. And so that's where we go to find it and to look for it. And of course there's nothing wrong with any of these things. But if you need power, if you need pleasure, if you need possessions to feel good about yourself, it'll be very difficult for you to to advance on the spiritual path because the games that you have to play in order to climb up the ladder of status and power don't necessarily don't necessarily lend themselves to a life of peace and joy and tranquility. <laughs> Because it, there, it is a game. And sometimes to play that game well, you have to do the complete opposite of love. It's all about me. It's all about pursuing my goal at all costs, even if that means stepping on somebody in the process. It's all about being strong, not getting walked all over. The games you have to play to be good at the things the world values are not conducive to peace. They're not conducive to love. And so you've got to figure out for yourself, how far in do I want to go when it comes to the games of this world? Unfortunately, some of us don't know what enough is. Right? We don't know what enough is. We don't know what how to be content with what we have. And it's good at the same time to have a little bit of discontentment. You may need that right now because you're not even at the, you know, at the baseline of what's possible for you. Maybe you're lazy, you know, and it's important for you to not be content so that you can do more for yourself and be more. But if you're always chasing after more and it's never enough for you, when do you stop? How does it stop? How far will you go? Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money, God and power, God and pleasure. And this isn't necessarily always the case, but generally speaking, the more externally pompous someone is, the more internally impoverished they actually are. It is a facade. It is a mask. In the Hebrew scriptures, it's, Really cool. One of the central elements of worship for the Jews was this idea of offering sacrifices. You guys have heard of this before, right? This is what human beings used to do. Kind of odd, but it is what it is. They used to offer sacrifices to God, like killing animals and stuff and doing all that weird thing. But um, the idea behind it is, is beautiful. The Hebrew word for sacrifice at its root literally means to come close. Right, and specifically what it means is to come close to God. So the act of offering sacrifices for these people was meant to bring those who felt far away from God back near to God once again. And what's important to recognize about this is that this movement towards God involved giving up something of significance. So it was a symbolic gesture, this act of giving sacrifices. It showed a person's willingness to let go of anything that got in the way of them experiencing a connection and communion with God at a deep heart level. So think about your life. What are some things that you feel you may need to give up in order to truly experience God in a new and fresh way? Another question to ask yourself, what cravings do you have in your life right now that overpower your craving for God? If you crave something more than God, that just means you haven't been disappointed enough by that thing yet. But eventually, all of those lesser desires and lesser cravings will bring you to the end of yourself. And some of us need to undergo that process. If you don't go and explore, that's why I tell, you know, this is bad advice. I tell people sometimes I'm a bad Christian for this, but, you know... Sometimes you gotta go and do your share of sinning. Just so that you can find out for yourself what works and what doesn't work. But if you don't do it because I'm not supposed to do it, there's always gonna be something about that forbidden fruit that tastes so good. And you'll bite it. You know what I mean? Because you'll think that there's something there for you. So, you know, go mess up your life, cheerfully. And uh, <clears throat> you have the freedom to do it. The freedom is there to do it. But that's called trusting the process. That's called trusting the process. Life will show you. You'll, you'll find out. You'll see what works and what doesn't work. And ultimately, you know, what God's really asking us to give up is our very life. You can, you can give up, you know. People give up a lot of different things. I'm going to give up social media for a couple months because I have an unhealthy relationship with it. Some people, it's like, you know, I have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Let me give up a little bit of alcohol. You can give up all of those things. Ultimately, what God wants you to give up is your very life. The New Testament says that we're supposed to live our lives, uh, or excuse me, our lives are living sacrifices before God. Present your life as a living sacrifice, the scriptures say. Look at this quote from a rabbi that I really like. He says, The essence of sacrifice is that we offer ourselves. We bring to God our faculties, our energies, our thoughts and emotions. The physical form of sacrifice, an animal offered on the altar, is only an external manifestation of an inner act. The real sacrifice is you. God, I'm willing to lay my life down on the altar. Whatever whatever you ask of me, whatever I need to do, And that leads us very well into the last stage and the last level of spiritual receptivity. Jesus described this as the seed that fell in good soil. These are the people who are receptive and they're ready. If you want to be receptive and ready, if you're ready for growth, if you're ready for transformation, that's going to involve three things. Willingness, devotion, and submission. Willingness, first and foremost, means... I'm willing to do whatever it takes. My freedom has now become my highest priority in life. Nothing else matters to me more than experiencing internal freedom, peace of mind, joy, fulfillment, meaning. So that becomes my ultimate pursuit. And there's nothing else that I'm gonna put above that. So Jesus described it as seeking first the kingdom of heaven. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of the same results. I'm tired of the same old ways of life. I'm tired of dealing with the same drama and the same issues and the same problems over and over and over again. You know how it is. We get in our cycles and we're like hamsters in the hamster wheel trying to get somewhere but we're going nowhere. When you get tired enough of that, this willingness is birthed in you. And you're... you're, Willing to do whatever it is that you have to do. It takes that sort of desperation, in a sense, to get to freedom. Then you have devotion. Just like anything in life that you want to get good at, if you don't have any sort of discipline, how are you going to get any sort of results? So devotion means I'm sticking to this path through thick and thin, it's this idea that I mentioned earlier of just continuing to come back home to yourself over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. A righteous person falls seven times, they get up eight. You just keep getting up. I'm, I'm sticking to it. I'm committed to the process of my spiritual unfolding. Everything else becomes secondary. This is my primary pursuit. And then, after willingness and devotion, there's submission. Submission. And this idea of submitting to God, right very traditional religious language, I don't use it a lot, but there's something here that is very helpful and needed for us. If there isn't a higher principle to which you are willing to concede all of your opinions and desires to, you will always be a slave to your ego. The ego is not going to disappear. There's always going to be that impulse in you to judge, to be negative, to take control over your life. That impulse needs to be put in its proper place. You're not gonna get rid of it. If you got rid of it completely, that means you're not human anymore, you're a robot. That impulse is not gonna go away, but that impulse needs to be put in its proper place. And the proper position for the ego is beneath God. The proper position for the ego is submitted to love. And that love now becomes a restraint for you that keeps you from moving out of alignment. And that is true freedom. True freedom doesn't mean I can do whatever I want whenever I want. That actually leads to bondage. True freedom is submitting yourself to love and allowing love to be The highest principle by which you operate. And so you are constantly submitting your thoughts, your desires, your opinions, your judgments to this higher principle. You're submitting yourself to God in this way. And look at how the scriptures put it in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up. That's how it works. I know that if we're here, it's because we want to be that good soil. And it doesn't take much other than just a willing and devoted heart that says, God, I'm here. I'm available. I'm available. I'm going to keep coming to you. I'm going to be open and receptive to truth. I'm going to be willing to change whatever I need to change and do whatever I need to do to experience more of you. If you have that willingness, God will meet you there. And your life will change. may not be instantaneously. Usually it's gradually. Embrace the process. Learn from the failures. Don't beat yourself up over the stuff you don't get right. Keep showing up. That's all it is. People ask me all the time about the gym. Listen, I don't, I don't have half the knowledge that my friends do about working out. All I know is I show up. And then you show up. For 15 years straight, you're gonna get a few, you know, some pecs. You're gonna have a little bicep action going on. It ain't hard. Just show up. All right, let me pray for you. Can you tell I ran out of material? God, in this moment, we just open up our hearts. We're willing, we're open, we're receptive. Change us, God. Transform us. Help us to be deeply rooted in you. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us not to shut ourselves off to truth, but to embrace it. Even if it comes to us in a form that we don't like, even if the person speaking truth into our life is someone that we're not too fond of, help us to receive the truth that you are speaking to us. Help us to pay attention to the wisdom that is there for us in every life circumstance. And as we open ourselves up and we become receptive, may the seeds of truth that get planted in us flourish and grow so that we can become everything you've created us to be. Amen. Amen. All right, love you guys. Thank you for being here. Another great Sunday. Catch you next weekend.